Tim and Tom. What'd you do this uh, New Year's? Uh, kitchen remodel for the New Year's Eve day up until late. Uh, still working on that, which is fun. Yeah, the, that's the F word I want to use. Near the end of the evening, we ran to the store because we typically do our, say, our default family thing is we all go get like a bunch of take and bake snacks from like, you know, your freezer aisle, right? So we got some jalapeno poppers, some potato skins, buffalo wings, right? Just grab a bag of whatever you want to get and some candy. And then we get some uh, champagne for my wife and I and then some uh, sparkling ciders for the kids. And we all hang out and we play games, watch the uh, Dick Clark thing and then just hang out till midnight that's our our, our fallback and we did that this year just because we were midway in the uh, kitchen remodel so we didn't have time to play much else but i think we had a good time doing it It was real fun you should have watched the cnn coverage did you hear about this no oh man did you miss the best new year's eve coverage in the world there wasn't a better network that handled new year's coverage okay. like cnn Okay. So first off, Don Lemon, I believe is how you say his name. And then I could not remember the co-host name for the sake of me. I follow her on Twitter. I can recognize her on site, but I cannot remember her name right now because I'm obviously telling you about her. But anyhow, uh, those two were your lead anchors uh, alongside uh, Anderson Cooper and then the guy from Bravo, right? It was like the four of them. Don and his girl, his uh, co-anchor, just get hammered i mean i'm talking like drinking on air <laughs> hanging out like loving life by the end last year so last new year's eve don was talking about how he's he needs to balance work and personal life better and he, he's ready for a relationship like he's giving you some great drunk talk some sure. great midnight 1 a.m talk right yeah so flash flash forward to this year he's talking about how he finally did find someone and they're great and he loves them and everything's amazing <laughs> <laughs> he's like just going off the you know, rails you know and what i like about you that, yeah and then yeah. on top of that they send a uh a reporter out to Denver and have her jump on a weed bus and she's taking <laughs> Are you for real? She has, yeah, she has weed ears. Like on the news? She never once like took the hit, right? She never right. once like inhaled, mm -hmm. but she had it in her hand. She's like, Don, this one's for you. They handed her a mask with a bong at the end. Like it was hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, she was, so she was getting this hot. Isn't like, yeah. yeah, this isn't vice. This isn't MTV. I think, you know what? I, you know what? I think CNN was exposed during the last election to be like, just, yeah, I mean, not uh, the utmost of integrity. So they're probably just like, ah, screw it, man. Let's just. Let's go have fun. But that's what we watched. So we watched that, and it was hilarious. Tim and Tom. I mean, it was great. We ended up switching over. Uh, so me and Emily went over to her parents' house, which is becoming kind of a New Year's Eve tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll take a step backwards before I get back into – well, no, I'll finish it. So New Year's Eve, we uh, watched the CNN coverage, which we did for the first time, which was hilarious. Uh, and then we turned over to the Ryan Seacrest, Dick Clark uh, promotions, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, counting of the 10-9 to – Hey, what, know, happens, ha what happens when Ryan Seacrest gets old 
and they've got to transition somebody else in there. Are we going to like put Ryan Seacrest's name on there? If he does this for, I mean, Dick Clark did it for uh, what? 50 years. Ryan Seacrest is not uh, super old. If he does it for another 30 years, uh, are they going to have like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your son's name will be, uh, is, you know, like Tom Jr., Ryan Seacrest, Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It might just turn into initials, right? So it'd be DCRS, Rockin' New Year's, you know. So Maybe it would just go to Rockin' New Year's Eve at that point. Yeah, exactly. But for right now, it's the Dick Clark Rockin' because, you know, he's the, the, the standard barrier still for, you know, New Year's Eve coverage. But mm-hmm. So we watched that. But what we did the night before is uh, we watched the UFC pay-per-view. And mm. I tell you what, it was <laughs> incredible. The main what? event was... Yeah, it was Chris Santos, uh, better known as Cyborg, taking on Holly Holm, who's known for ending the winning streak of Ronda Rousey a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. They put on a fantastic fight, very uh, close. It was obvious who won, but it was still competitive, which was something because uh, Cyborg is on a tear right now. She could be the best women's MMA fighter in the world, although she might be fighting my friend Megan Anderson next in Megan's home country of Australia at UFC 221, which would be fun, but nothing has been announced yet, but it looks like that might be the next fight. Um, and then uh, before that, there was an amazing fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov. I said that right. Yeah. And Edson Barboza. It was great. For those who don't know uh, about Khabib, this guy is has the most violent ground and pound I've ever seen in the sports history since 1993. And he can wrestle anyone including bears. And if you think I'm joking, I'm not go on YouTube, search Khabib wrestles bears. When he was a kid, his dad made him wrestle baby bears. It was incredible. And so this guy is on a tear. He's going after Conor McGregor. That might be next for old Connor, which is bad news for him. But yeah, we watched uh, the UFC fight. Uh, we did some Christmas because her brother was, uh, unable to come in, you know, during the Christmas weekend and Christmas week. So we did it that week. Uh, and that was great. Um, I got a skillet. I got a cast iron skillet nice. with an Amazon gift card. Right. And then uh, one of the gifts, so we do a name, you know, and uh, Emily's sister-in-law, Sarah, got me, and it was Menards. So the way we yeah. did it, so let me explain how it works. It is a name you draw, and then a store, and then an aisle number. So that's what you have to get for the Christmas gift. For example, I also got Sarah, so we got each other, which was weird. Uh, and I got her and I got Hobby Lobby and I got aisle 23 fun, uh, fun little hiccup for me. Uh, Hobby Lobby doesn't have aisle numbers. So I had to make it up and just count. Oh, okay. My, right. Myself. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I counted, uh, from both sides of the store and I got her two gifts uh, and we couldn't go okay. over a dollar amount, but anyhow, what she got me was this nice fleece jacket. Uh, she got me some incense and then she got me a PVC pipe. <laughs> nice so i have the right shoulder surgery and i'm still needing to rehab that yeah and and her husband emily's brother uh has a uh doctorate in exercise physiology as he understands how to do like rehab stuff at home and he's like this pvc pipe it's gonna be great and he's like showing me all the little workouts i can do for it so yeah that's (laughs) what i got that was awesome i like this uh i like this thing man so so like i if i'm there i draw tom uh I draw, let's say, a, draw Hobby Lobby aisle 17, right? And I'm going to go in there, whatever's in there, and I've got a dollar amount, but I can only spend in that aisle, and i got to right, buy you exactly. presents. 
So that like another awesome. great one was, yeah, another great one was uh, Emily's sister-in-law, Jamie, got uh, Emily's brother, Jake, and it was the dollar store. And it was yes. aisle four. And so with the dollar store, things are a little bit cheaper. Obviously, it's a dollar store. So he got like 17 things. <laughs> and it was all just knickknack stuff. It was like, yeah, uh, here's depends on the aisle. Yeah, you could get nothing but like school supplies if you get the wrong aisle out of that. I almost yeah. want I almost want to do that and it only be the dollar store. I want to get like seven people and we're all just going to draw an aisle. <laughs> you get like 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get it out was great. So yeah. she did amazing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I got PVC pipe, and then uh, we did this little bingo game. And uh, it, once you get bingo, you get a gift card uh, from this whole thing that uh, Emily's mother's company has. And so I got an Amazon gift card, and I got me a cast iron skillet because you know now I'm a world renowned chef. Yeah, obviously I'm going to take my game to the next level. Bobby Flay, watch out. Uh, and you know, now I'm just a cast well, iron skillet. Well, you know? and you're, you're going to come out with your own line, your own brand of cast iron skillet. So you have to study the competition. You have to see what exactly. works and what doesn't, you know, so that you know what to take, what to, to pluck of the best of the best, because only the best of the best for chef Tom. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, honing my skills, kind of, uh, zeroing in on what makes me the best, um, Chef in the world, right. which and obviously th- everyone knows. And then you're going to make it better. I mean, that's how good you are. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, and that's and that's what the greats do. You know, you change the game. You don't just come in and dominate. You're, you're, you're a trailblazer, and you take over the game, and you yeah. set your own yeah. path. You, you don't change the game. The game changes because of you, right? Obviously. Right. Obviously. I mean, no, I'm th- kidding. then you change almost, the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I almost <laughs> killed myself the first time I used it. But <laughs> – Thankfully, Emily was there to help me out. Uh, but yeah, I dropped it on my foot day one. <laughs> right, exactly. Those things are heavy, man. Yeah, they are. I'm not joking. Yeah, like, no, they are. Yeah. I thought it was like okay, because like on the other side is another handle, and I was like, mm-hmm. what do you need two handles for a skillet? And then uh, I made uh, creamy kale stuffed pork chops. That was the first thing I made. And so I put three of the uh, pork chops in there with the kale and all the fun stuff, you know, and I move it over to bake. And uh, as I pick it up, I was like, whoa, this is no joke. Like this was the first time I was picking it up because uh, it came in through the mail and it was already opening on the the grill. You right. know? So that was like, the hey, it came in. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. And so then, yeah, I go move it from uh, from the flame to the uh-huh. to the uh, uh to to go bake and man it was a son of a gun you re-injured your shoulder i felt like it i mean it was yeah you want to talk about rehab just pick up that thing 10 times and you'll be good but uh yeah so we did christmas and new year's and fights and fun it was great tim and tom it's New Year's, man. New Year's, and that brings about resolutions. You got any New Year's resolutions? Of course. I do this all the time, and I hate the people that are like, every day I just try to do something new. It's like, have fun. You know, be a little bit fun, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started mine a little earlier. Uh, one of mine was to train for a half marathon. Uh, I'm going to do a half marathon in October, so I've started that already. Um, I'm on a uh, schedule as it is. 
And so started that kind of mid-December because I didn't want to wait. I was like, with that, I want to get ahead of the curve. Doing a half marathon in October, that's one New Year's resolution. The second one is to learn how to cook. So cast iron skillet, baking and cooking and all the fun stuff. So that's number two. And the third one is uh, I'm going to read five books. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to read. So to kind of let you understand how it's, it's not hard for me to read. I can read like anyone else at my age level. Like uh, it's, I'm not behind or anything. Sure. What it is is I I get into these, I get into these phases where I'll read six chapters in two days and just be a hundred percent in. And let's say, for example, my company that I'm working for goes bankrupt and now I have to find a new job. And so now my attention goes elsewhere and now I'm going into this direction and I'm looking for a job and this and that, or, you know, I have shoulder surgery and I have to then rehab and things like that. So life happens. And so I might read, like I said, six chapters in two days and be 100 percent in a book. One things get one thing gets me sidetracked and I want, might not pick up that book for two to three months. Like it's, it gets to be that bad. So I made a, a conscious effort. I'm going to read five books, uh, one each season plus a bonus. And so that's a goal. And I've started with Death in the Nile by Agatha Christie. Uh, it's the, I guess, sequel to, uh, murder on the Orient express, which is the movie I saw earlier mm-hmm. or excuse me, later last year. And so that's my first book I'm going to start with. And then I'm getting to some presidential stuff and I'm going to get into some pro wrestling stuff. Cause that's my interest. That's my goal. Tim and Tom. I don't typically like sit down and say, Hey, all right, these are my new year's resolutions. I'm going to set this out. Right. But I got to thinking, I was like, okay, well, what do I want to, right? If I had to sit down and set them out, what do I want to do? I'm going to do one of the cliche ones, and we're going to get in shape. I say we, my wife and I, because we have a trip coming up to Cancun, thanks to my wonderful mother as a Christmas present. We're going to go to the beach. Obviously, I need to. I have a beach body now, obviously, but, or is it a beached body? Anyway, uh, I can get it in better shape, right? Get it trimmed and 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 toned up right and look uh at least not appalling right a little more appealing little less appalling so we're gonna work on that we've been doing ddp yoga if anybody's not heard of that obviously we're wrestling fans so we say it a lot so some people may roll their eyes when we say a wrestler created a blended yoga strength i don't even know what you call it it's a no no weights no impact cardio strength yoga thing he's actually won some awards it's it's a really good program you were even telling me off air uh about how difficult it is as far as not difficult in the sense that you can't do the movements but man you feel like a great workout after one session so that's uh that's intriguing my uh my buttocks after one uh session felt they felt as tight as Dwayne the rock johnson's arms look wow right Man. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Get after it. I like right. that. I'm also uh, decided just here and now I'm going to put out more content for this show. And I mean like more website articles. Uh, we may even do some uh, specials here and there. But uh, we got to keep you guys entertained so that maybe you will in turn maybe help us out occasionally. Like going to our website, timandtomkc.com, and hitting up our Amazon link. Uh, we could really use for you to do that. Because anytime you shop on Amazon, if you go to our website first and hit the link, you're going to be able to shop Amazon as normal. It's not going to be any different, including the prices. The prices are all going to be the same. No difference to you. 
but we get a little kickback. Jeff Bezos, uh, Bezos, Bezos, uh, he knows us personally. He calls us up, uh, wires the money, you know, tells us, good job, guys. Uh, I couldn't do it without you. Um, so if you can keep that coming in, uh, that would help. Also, we have a Chiefs shop uh, link on there also. If you want to get some Chiefs gear from the official shop, same kind of deal. Uh, you can go do that. So I'm going to put out some more content so that hopefully, uh, in turn, uh, you guys can rain down some of that on us. And also, Tom, this one's a little vague, but I like leaving it a little vague because I don't know where I'm going to go with it yet. I'm going to learn a new skill. Oh, what does that mean? Right? I don't know yet. But I'm going to like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it some time to marinate and go, all right. But it's at least a new skill that I'm going to, I'm going to learn. Now, I'm not saying oh, I'm going to learn how to bounce a ball three times on my head. Something, you know what I mean? Something that I can use going forward. Makes sense. Do you know how to cook? Let's, let's work. I do. I do. do you know yeah, I do. I do. I do. Uh, I do. My wife, my wife helped me with that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What's another skill? Do you know how to change a transmission? I don't, but you know what? Here, here, I tell you what, I tell you what, Tom. I've got a couple things. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll work this out. I mean, obviously, I'm going to learn some new skills, right? But I'm going to set out to one that's going to take – I want one that's going to take, like, homework, right? That, say, maybe once a week or so, I've got to, like, study something or practice something, right? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm, we're going to be uh, tiling uh, the backsplash uh, in my kitchen here. And a friend of ours is coming over because he knows how to do it. So, yeah, I'm going to learn some of that. I'm going to pick that up. But I'm not even talking about just some of that – biosmosis stuff so i'm gonna try to pick out something like i don't know i don't know exactly what yet how about writing for television well here's because I, yeah well okay. because apparently there's no new ideas okay. hulu has ordered two seasons of the reboot of animaniacs yeah now i love the animaniacs oh, I, know I think it. it's great right yeah. but i guess 2018 this is what i'm gonna ask of you because it's only the fourth day as of this recording come up with some original ideas i'm tired of will and grace i'm tired of the rumored mad about you coming back i'm tired of maybe the office coming back i'm tired of two seasons of the animaniacs going to hulu come up with some new ideas what are we have we maxed out our creativity tom how about this how about i make it not a new skill but screenwriting is something i've wanted to do for a long time got several ideas for uh, screenplays. I know how to format a screenplay, right? Got several ideas for that. Uh, maybe we come up with a series and we try to, uh, maybe we have a yeah. joint, maybe we have a joint resolution here and we'll work on yeah. that. And, and we come up with a, uh, a series or, or a, uh, or move something. We actually, and we actually write it. We actually yeah. get that done over the course of a year. All right. Well, don't outsource this to me and like, this is my dream that Tom writes something for me. Yeah. All right, right, Tom, I'm going to need you to get me 17 ideas. Well, I did have an idea. Like one time I was like, what if I, I said, I've always thought of like comedy writing and stuff like that. And I thought, well, what if I said, just started like, okay, every day I'm going to write X amount of jokes like every day. Cause I know that's part of what they do. And that gig is every day they got to write X amount of jokes. Right. I was like, so start acting as if. So maybe we do that. Maybe you, we complain about, you know, they're bringing back Roseanne, which again, I love that show. Uh, but I mean, is it going to yeah, be the, that's the like, other old show? Right. What are we doing right. guys? Animaniacs, Roseanne, Will and Grace. Will this and isn't Grace. the late nineties. You know, we're pro wrestling fans. We love pro wrestling, but you know what we don't want to see at this year's WrestleMania yeah. stone cold, Steve Austin versus the rock. We right. want to see something new. I mean, stone cold, Steve Austin versus yeah. the rock would be That'd awesome, be cool. but you know what I'm saying? Well, and that's <laughs> not, not for lack of trying on WWE's part. I mean, they try to put right. that stuff out there, but. But what I'm saying is stop with this, like, hey, well, 
it worked once. You're thinking, let's get the band back together. Like, that doesn't work all the time. So no, it works quickly for nostalgia, usually. Here you go. I proclaim it. 2018, the year of the new idea. That is my goal. 2018, the year of the new idea. The year of the new idea. I like it. Yeah, that stuff works well for, like, Back to the Future did it well, right? It was that time when everybody was supposed to, like, in the movie, it was November 5th, 19, or 2015 or whatever, right? So they are like, all right. So they hit it hard right before then. They re-released the movie. They showed up all over the place with some DeLoreans, right? made some scratch and then bounced and that's all we ever hear about it right but they didn't put out a new trilogy star wars yeah. and just like god <laughs> yeah come on guys let's right. 2018 the year of the new idea tim and tom so january 1 oregonians is that uh -huh. how you say it oregonians uh, yeah sure now are allowed to pump their own gas oh, Did you hear about that they weren't allowed to pump their own gas. They had gas attendants. And now they're saying, no, this new law, effective January 1, uh, allows uh, Oregonians uh, to pump their own gas. And people are mad. They're like, no, I like staying in my car. I like the gas attendant. Do that. And they're like, nah, not anymore. No more gas attendants in the state of Oregon. Here's a fun story. I am – this is 2000 – three two thousand four maybe i okay. am in the air force i am freshly stationed in oklahoma city at tinker air force base my family's moved down there with me right i'm going through what they call first term airman's uh, center course i forget what they call it right so you're out of all your trainings you're at your actual workstation now you go through a quick little two-week course of hey all right now you're out of training this is how it really works you don't have to be scared of this here's some of the expectations now that you're out of the game Right. So we're going through that. And uh, there's a guy, you know, in the class with me, too. But he's a lot younger. I came in to the military a little bit older than, say, the typical people do. They come in around 18. I came in at 20. I turned 24 in basic. So he's a little bit younger. Right? But we're going to go to lunch. Right. And he's driving. And he goes, oh, I need to swing and get some gas. Let me stop by the gas station here. There's a gas station on base. And he pulls up and he just starts looking at it. <laughs> he's, still, he's in the car. Right. And he's driving and I'm in the passenger seat and he's just looking out the window at the gas pump. And I was like. You all right, man? And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah, I just, I don't know how to pump gas. I was like, what? what? <laughs> and I went, what? And he goes, yeah, man. And I was like, well, who pumped the gas last time in your car, man? <laughs> he goes, well, he goes, I just bought it, man. He goes, this is the first time. He goes, I've only had it for like a couple of days. Well, why don't you know how to pump gas, man? How you're like, he was like 19 or something. Right. And he goes, we don't pump gas in Oregon. What do you mean you don't pump gas? And he goes, they pump it for you. Are you serious? I was like, you don't know how to do what? this at all? So I had to show this guy how to pump gas, man. And I'm out here like, man, this is when I started. Is this is, so joining the military is one thing that I credit with, you know, a lot of my growth of knowing, you know, how, oh, there's people who don't live the same life I've lived, right? And have different right. experiences. Uh, this is one of the very first things. I was like, really? I was like, but I, I didn't think, I didn't understand that at all, that, People didn't just like, you take it for granted. You can gas up your car on autopilot, man. You don't even remember you did it, but this guy had no clue. Oregon. That is incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> Oregon, way to, way to get with uh, 1990. Yeah. No, well, out of pump well, welcome to the 1960s, Oregon. Tim and Tom. We have Kyle Palmer of KCUR coming up. This guy, as you will find out, does a lot 
knows a lot, is just an impressive person to talk to. We've already done the interview. For those who don't know, we do the interviews uh, beforehand so they can go about their days while we labor into the into the early morning hours here producing this show for you. <clears throat> Remember that Amazon link. Um, <laughs> and so can't wait for you all to hear this interview with Kyle Palmer of KCUR. Fun fact, roller coasters can help patients to expel their kidney stones. Wish I would have known that in 2015. Tim and Tom. This episode of Tim and Tom is brought to you by your They could be hearing your business's address or your business's website address, or even your business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about your business, contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. 2018 has a lot on the horizon. As uh, you guys listened to last week, we kind of rounded out 2017, gave you the highlights uh, both nationally and locally uh, about what's going on. And so we wanted to kind of preview and also uh, talk to one of the best informed citizens of this great city, Kyle Palmer of uh, KCUR. Kyle, are you with us? I am with you. How's it going? It's going well. So, Kyle, you are uh, the morning show, or you do the morning news for KCUR, and you also do the early bird. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with the early bird, can you kind of describe what that is? Uh, sure. Well, um, I appreciate uh, you having me on, and I appreciate the, uh, the compliments. I don't know how well informed I am, but I try to stay as informed as possible. Um, <laughs> So KCU, of course, is Kansas City Public Radio, um, and so in addition to my on-air duties, um, I am the kind of compiler and author of a weekly, well, daily, actually, uh, morning newsletter that we call the Early Bird, and we call it the Early Bird because it goes out at 6 a.m., so that means that I have to get up at about 3 to 3.30 um, every morning and start to... Uh, put it together, and it is our rundown of um, the biggest um, local news stories around the Kansas City metro, as well as um, a sprinkling in of big national stories that happened overnight or the previous day. Um, and so it's it's a mixture of national and local reporting that we feel, uh, at least the, the intent is to make sure that our, our listeners and our subscribers kind of can wake up, um, check their phone, or, or get on their their tablet and and peruse the news for five to ten minutes and be be prepared and set and go on about their day. So with this early bird and the the news compiling a- aspect of it, is it just you kind of going through everything that happened the day before and you know uh, overnight, or is it a team and you guys kind of bring together? I have this story, you have that story. How does the early bird get put together? I will say most of it gets done by me, but there is a team that kind of sets the I guess what you call the goals for. Um, for the the type of coverage, the tone of the email. I mean, I think we're learning in the modern news business, especially over things like email newsletters and social media, that the the tone is a lot more casual and friendly and conversational than um, than I think a lot of newsrooms are used to, uh, traditional newsrooms at least. Um, but in terms of the day-to-day grind of putting the stories together, deciding what stories go where and what gets prominence, that is me. Um, so I'll... 
um, you know, like I said, I'll wake up at 3.30 and um, I will look and see what our reporters have done the previous 24 hours or so, you know, what stories are on KCUR's website um, or what stories have come in, you know, through our internal streams and, and emails and things from the reporters that we have. And um, we'll kind of decide what gets prominence of place, what gets, um, you know, put up at the top. Um, in addition, I'm just, I'm constantly, both in the mornings and then throughout my day, just looking to see what's, you know, what's making national news, what's trending on Twitter and Facebook, um, what other big major news outlets are, are talking about and covering. And I myself subscribe to <laughs> dozens of, of daily newsletter blasts from all different types of news organizations. So I see what everyone's talking about and I kind of get in my inbox what what organizations like the New York Times and the Washington Post and Vox and Fox News and um, the Marshall Project and all these different organizations um, from, you know, across the, the um, commercial and, and public and ideological spectrum. And, and um, that just informs what I, what I put into the early burn. So, Kyle, I got to be a little honest with you. We came up with a little bit of a, uh, say, a new school uh, education through. Uh, we came through the same University of Missouri journalism system yeah, that yeah. Tom and I. But <laughs> well, and so uh, we 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 were spread about the the system here. But um, we so we're kind of taught the whole time coming up is. Uh, things like newspapers and, you know, mail, like magazine letters and things like that are dying out. But mm-hmm. I, I see all over the place, as you mentioned, you're subscribing to a whole bunch of these email newsletters. So did it just change form and people are still consuming in this sort of uh, multi-topic uh, news in this fashion? Because we were kind of told that's the dinosaur coming out, but it almost seems like that isn't the case now. Right. Um, I think you're talking about a couple of different things here. They're both interesting, right? So I think the the idea that print, the legacy media, the newspapers, you know, locally here, the Kansas City Star, and you know, nationally, the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times, and you know, there is this kind of assumption that they're fading away, that they're dying, and and um, revenue-wise, they are struggling uh, for sure. You see cutbacks at places like the Star. Um, but in terms of content, what those legacy media organizations are producing is still is still top notch. Um, even when their newsroom staffs are are um, are gutted and they're working on skeleton shifts and they're working with uh, personnel and resources that you know might be um, a fraction of what they used to have 10, 20 years ago, they're still producing um, agenda setting content both locally and at the national level. Um, I look to the star so much uh, for for the work that I that I do at KCUR just to kind of see what they're reporting on because they have even even a star that doesn't have as many people as it used to still has a lot of resources and they have a lot of people in a lot of important places covering things. That's one aspect of it. The the other so but so long story short, I still feel like print media um, now we call it you know it's digital media now because hardly anyone ever actually reads the real paper anymore. Um, those organizations are still producing great content. Um, the second half of what you were kind of talking about, the newsletter part of it, um, yeah, I think for a while there, people thought that it was just kind of a fad and it was going to kind of fade away and people were getting tired of getting blasted in their inbox. And I, said, and I, and I think that's still probably a legitimate fear that um, you know people will sign up for a newsletter and then they'll get tired of it. And there's also, there's no, um, right now there's, no, there's not a lot of revenue in that. Um, KCUR, we, we do sell the early bird and we, we do get advertisers every once in a while. 
Um, but it's still not like a profit-making arm of what we're doing. It's still kind of very experimental. But what it does speak to is that I think people want, um, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with this whole trend, is that people want uh, they want to pick and choose and be able to decide and filter their own content. And, and newsletters and signing up and subscribing for newsletters is a way to do that. Now, it's still curated, right? So it's kind of a mixture of, of being on demand and being kind of more traditional in that you, you kind of pick what you want to subscribe to, but then you get curated content in your inbox from people that in organizations that you trust. And so that's what we hope with the early bird is, is like it's for our listeners and people who may not listen to KCUR on the air, but have found us through whatever means and they trust us. And so they trust us enough to sign up for that newsletter and get it five days a week, which honestly is a pretty big commitment. It's funny to say that, but it's, you know, getting something in your inbox five times a week from the same group. And that's, that's a lot. So, um, they, they trust us. And so we want to make sure that, um, we curate it responsibly, but also in a way that's entertaining. The national conversation, as far as news, seems like, to me at least, since the last election, has changed a little bit to where uh, more of the uh, general conversation is changing to politics more so than it has in the past. Have you noticed that trend, and has that had any effects on KCUR and how they're covering the news now that it seems like uh, the type of information that they've always covered is now becoming headline news, whether it's a tax bill or the dreamers or something like that. Have you noticed that, that trend? Um, working at a public radio station, I would say that our, you know, even before the election, you know, going back years, I think for public radio, our default was always to kind of, you know, hedge towards politics and policy and political process. That was kind of, had that's been NPR's bread and butter for, for years. Right. Um, so we kind of feel comfortable in that lane, um, uh, you know, at a national level for NPR and then here locally, KCUR covering the state houses in Topeka and Jeff city. That that's, you know, that's been where we're comfortable and that's been kind of what we feel like we do well. Um, but I will agree with you that there has been a kind of an acceleration <laughs> of, of political coverage in the last 15 to 18 months. Um, it seems like more people, um, are, if not only interested in it, but also, I think, genuinely invested in finding out what is happening, both at a national and a local level. So I, I think the the kind of uh, hyper-awareness of what's happening in Washington, D.C. now um, is filtering down to the local level. I think you see, in the last year or so, we've just seen a lot more interest from readers and listeners um, and people engaging with us and people we're interviewing about what is going on in Topeka especially, but also in Jeff City. Um, and I think, I, I will say that that is probably a consequence of people also feeling um, very interested and in a lot of respects also very anxious about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Right. So that's a, a good way to roll into some things here, Kyle. We, uh, we, we like to focus somewhat on Kansas City here on our show, and there's a couple big topics in the news lately that maybe we'll hit on. One that's hot right now, and I don't know exactly maybe how it – I mean, some of it applies to Kansas City being it's in Kansas, but uh, as you were mentioning, some big Washington, D.C. news, uh, the the Secretary of State of Kansas, Chris Kobach, not receiving a lot of good news lately. Uh, there was uh, adulation and then some fear amongst a lot of folks about uh, what what that might mean for him having increased notoriety and presence there in D.C. What do you make of some of all that happening now? 
you know, what's happened within 24 hours of the, the, the taping of this podcast is that the pre- President Trump has dissolved this, um, what he called an election integrity commission. Many people kind of refer to it as the voter fraud commission that, that Chris Kobach was essentially leading. Um, Vice President Mike Pence was the, the chairman of the of the commission, but it was Kobach's group, um, essentially. And that did give him a national profile in a lot of ways. And I think there was the assumption that it was going to increase his brand, for lack of a better term, not only within Kansas, where he's running for governor, but also nationally. And so the sudden dissolution of that group um, has people asking the opposite. Will it negatively affect him in any way? And I think the, you know, watching Chris Kobach kind of, and if not on a day-to-day basis, then at least on a fairly regular basis, he's, I mean, he is, he has certainly carved out his own particular ideological and political niche um, in a lot of ways, kind of like how Trump did at the national level, very suddenly um, Kobach has cultivated that, that brand and, and relationship with his constituents over a longer period of time. But the people who like him and the people who, who, who trust him, um, really like him and really trust him. Um, and so, you know, he's, al- he's already, you know, in the last 24 hours um, since the, this decision to dissolve this election integrity commission, he's already spinning it his way, you know, that he's folding it into the Department of Homeland Security. That this is just a strategic pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not his exact wording, but that, that's kind of the message he was sending to, to media over the last 24 hours. So I think he's going to find a way to make this look the best that he needs to make it look for him. With all that said, a lot of the things he presents and, and you know, in his big cause is election fraud. Um, a lot of it is just simply not true. Um, and so you have someone at a very prominent level at state government, who now, at least over the last few months, has had a national platform. Um, you know, I hesitate to use the term lying, but he's um, he's he's saying things and um, charging things and alleging things about mass widespread voter fraud, millions of illegal votes being cast um, that just simply he has not provided any evidence for whatsoever. And there was an assumption by a lot of people that that would eventually catch up to him. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, I'll go back to that point. The people who really like and follow and trust him are, are going to continue um, to follow him and vote for him. Um, and so right now, I think he's very understandably and, and comfortably the front runner for the Republicans in a very crowded field for governor mm-hmm. um, with, you know, what, 11 months to go before the election. So, yeah, yeah uh, we've talked about this numerous times, and even on our last episode, uh, we hit it pretty hard that uh, people have just seemingly picked a side and they're right or die, you know, no matter what's true or not. But help maybe some of our listeners understand we're in a unique situation here in the Kansas City metro where uh, – it's already a balance of power when you have a large metropolitan city and then there's a governor involved of that state. But now we're a city, we're two cities, but we're a big city split down the middle. And now we've got two governors. Uh, what does a balance of power look like that? What can a governor say do that would hinder or help a metropolitan area like Kansas City as far as policy or any of the like? That's an interesting question. And Kansas City certainly is in a very unique situation being that it straddles a border. So it's, it's a city and you, you see this play out all over the country where, um, you know, cities are, um, in, in a lot of cases, 
governed by um, left-leaning um, democratic uh, mayors and city councils, um, but then they they are in states that are um, generally very red and governed by um, right-leaning um, Republican governments. Um, and Kansas City is no different. Kansas City in that way, but in Kansas City is very different in that it's it's a city that is kind of dealing with two <laughs> um, red state governments. Um, it is in Missouri, so a lot of the state policy enacted in Topeka doesn't necessarily um, directly affect Kansas as much as state policy made in Jeff City. Um, but, I mean, you've seen over the last year, um, Sam Brownback in Kansas um, try to um, – he put out a very – um, kind of halting attempt to um, to you know say that they, they were going to try to put together an airport proposal um, in Johnson County to challenge KCI. Um, you saw that the Kansas state government and then also the Missouri state government uh, try to put together policies to uh, our proposals to try to attract Amazon uh, to their states. I mean, that whole kind of scrum that really no one gave a lot of, I think, credibility, but still, I mean, I think you so that kind of show where their heads were at. They wanted to, to get in on that game, too. Um, so, I mean, how does that affect Kansas City? Well, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the city council and and Mayor Sly James are are caught between both of those those poles, Topeka and Jeff City. They, they obviously have to defer a little bit more to Jeff City because that is their state government. But, you're, I mean, you're seeing this this battle in, in cities and states all across the country where you have liberal city governments um, trying to enact policies, um, certainly around things like guns and trans, you know, transgender bathrooms and um, you know, run the gamut union policies um, that state governments then supersede or override because it, it disagrees with you know, the, the ideological principles of the people in power in the state government. And Kansas City is no different in that respect. So I think Kansas City always has to kind of think about how what they're going to do is then going to be translated in Jeff City um, and how it might even be overridden and um, superseded by what happened in Jeff City. Another topic we wanted to get your input on is last year uh, the vote came up for a new airport uh, and that passed. Uh, so what does that look like now? I know recently there was some some hiccups as far as uh, a commission not voting to to go with the company that they first picked or something like that and as, yeah. so fill us in a little bit on what's going on since that vote and then what should we expect obviously the the airport won't be built this year but what do you expect as far as news or if there will be news going into 2018 with the airport yeah well i mean i think the um the developers do want to break ground um and i think they would like to break ground by as soon as this summer um, on a new terminal. I, what you're referring to, I think, is um, uh, yes, you, you're right. So uh, the voters of Kansas City overwhelmingly approved a new plan for a new terminal um, at Kansas City International Airport by, you know, a surprisingly wide margin. More than 70% of voters approved it, which was a, a resounding victory for people like Mayor Sly James, who I think have been been um, promoting the idea of an improved KCI for years. And it was a huge victory. And then, yes, you're right. Um, in December, um, very suddenly and surprisingly, um, the city council uh, took a vote to reject a memorandum of understanding with the developer that they had approved before the public vote. Um, it's a Maryland-based company called Edgemore. And so the, the plan that voters voted on was this kind of rough concept that was put together by Edgemore. 
And in one of the first um, city council meetings after that vote, uh, they voted to reject that memorandum of understanding. And there were certain factions on the city council that were really um, anxious about um, some details in Edgemore's plan, specifically around um, using minority-owned contractors and women-owned contractors and businesses and, and what Kansas City was going to get back in terms of public investment from the Edgemore plan. I think in a lot of ways legitimate concerns, but it riled a lot of people, um, not only in City Hall, but uh, publicly, because you're right, it created this confusion uh, where um, the voters had voted for it, approved it, said yes, and everyone kind of thought like, okay, we're going to move forward. We're going to start building an airport. And then all of a sudden you kind of, you know, you read the headlines and, and glance at news in the evening like you do. And, and you're hearing this like, you know, Kansas City has, has rejected this plan. A week after they made that vote to reject the memorandum, I'm understanding they then voted to um, go back with Edgemore and continue the process. So uh, now we are at the stage where um, uh, the city council has given Edgemore a certain number of weeks um, to kind of craft a more detailed plan. Um, they have kind of endorsed uh, Edgemore's plan. And, and so at this stage right now, um, Edgemore seems to be the, the group that the city council is going with. And um, as developers and a lot of new terminal proponents in City Hall have been hoping for that, that there will be some real work starting and ground being broken um, possibly as early as this summer. Yeah, I recall seeing something that mentioned that, yes, they overwhelmingly approved this plan, and then there was some sort of deal with a you know, a firm that was consulting that was working up the, the draft of the Memorandum of Understanding, and somehow uh, it left the city on the hook for a lot of the risk and not – uh, Edgemore uh, was there was the validity behind that because then it sounded yeah. to me like then it sounded to me like well everybody's mad for them voting against the public but it sounds like they did a great job and we should all be applauding them for catching that yeah so I, I don't I'm not going to remember the exact numbers off the top sure. of my head but there was um, I think some anxiety around a clause in Edgemore's initial plan that um, if, if the deal was terminated or if it didn't you know come to fruition that there would be a certain, and it was in the, you know, it was in the tens of millions of dollars. I don't know the exact figure that, you know, I mean, the, the, the city was going to kind of commit up front to paying Edgemore for, for developing these plans. And, um, and so I think that, that type of agreement, I think when you think about Sprint Center, when you think about the power and light district downtown and some of the public money that were put up for those projects, I think that automatically creates a lot of worry around Kansas city. Um, Another kind of complicating factor was that um, another one of the firms that was in the competition for this was a local firm, Burns and McDonald, and and um, they had actually kind of kicked off this entire process um, right. last summer, summer of 20, 2017, um, when they kind of made an unsolicited bid directly to City Hall to build a new airport, and Mayor Sly James and, 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 the, and the, the city manager's office were about ready to just sign off on this unsolicited plan. Um, now some reporting by the Kansas City Star and some other news outlets and some public attention that came to that then kind of forced the city to say, okay, let's step back and do a, a public bidding process. And then through that bidding process, the city council ultimately chose Edgemore and not the local firm Burns and McDonald. Um, so e even since that, Burns and McDonald has kind of been on the sidelines doing a little bit of cheerleading for their original plan for their concept. And so then when the city council voted initially um, after the public vote to, um, to reject Edgemore's memorandum of understanding, then Burns and Mac came back 
um, in, in partnership with another firm, this gets so complicated, um, and they offered up their, you know, they kind of said, hey, we're still here if you want to, to look back at our plan. Um, so that was, that was another yeah. thing, but then, like I said, ultimately, the city council decided to go back to Edgemore. So to all this, the bottom line for the public is, and I think they kind of heard it in your question a while ago, is that there's, you know, the details are really arcane. It's hard to follow. There's a lot of moving parts. And the public is, you know, I think in a lot of respects confused about what's going on. They know that something was approved. They know that the airport was greenlit by voters. And now any kind of headline that says, oh, city council rejects this, or, oh, there's a delay in this, I think just kind of creates a little bit of, of distrust mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. municipal government going forward on this project. So it seems like the KC airport going smoothly as always <laughs> with the, the planning. <laughs> right. of yeah, the, uh, you might, you might, you might uh, be, you know, this time next year we might be having the same conversation. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Well, I just wonder, uh, Burns and McDonald, have they ever just? I, I feel like they should publicly come out and go, "Hey, this was our idea." Well, I mean, and, and I think there was a little bit of that during the the public bidding process, right? I think Burns and Mac. Um, was very adamant that, you know, they, they even kind of branded themselves as the, quote, hometown team. Um, and they uh, were very, I mean, they, they were very public about touting how much, um, you know, minority-owned contractor partnerships they had built up, how many women-owned contractors they had, had built up in their plan. And they were always listing off the number of local companies that were endorsing their bid to build the airport. Um, and so I certainly think there was that, that bit of chest thumping, if you will. Um, um, but, but I will say once the, the council chose Edgemore before the public vote, um, you know, for the most part, you know, Burns and Mac said, you know, we accept the council's decision. Um, they did come back after, you know, after this, this vote to, to initially reject the memorandum of understanding, but um, they've, they've not been, I, I don't, you know, tampering is not the right word, but they, they haven't been trying to, to sabotage or, or, you know, any other kind of subterfuge. Sure. They've been pretty professional about it since, since the council made its decision. So we're with Kyle Palmer of KCUR, uh, does the morning news, as you heard, also does the early bird. Another thing you're involved in that we wanted to touch on is a podcast. It's an education-themed podcast called No Wrong Answers, uh, which focuses on Kansas City area public school teachers. Tell us a little bit more about that. Right. So this is a complete side gig. So I do my KCUR job. Um, and as you do in the modern media world, you are always kind of hustling and freelancing. Um, I'm a former teacher. So uh, before I came to KCUR three years ago, I um, was a public school teacher for eight years, both at the middle school and high school level. Um, and the idea for, for several years while I did that had been rolling around the back of my head that um, teachers, my colleagues, people that I worked with, um, would be really good at, at hosting a talk show. Um, all the teachers that I, many of the teachers that I worked with were um, very talkative, very um, eloquent, funny, informed, um, and passionate about what they did. And so that I felt if you got them in a room and put microphones in front of them, they would be good talk show hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual idea didn't come to fruition until I came to KCUR and, you know, had access to a studio and microphones and um, had built up some connections um, with some local teachers and uh, piloted it um, in 2016, three or four episodes, just to see if it worked. And then we launched about this time last year. So we've been going for about a year, weekly podcast. We take some weeks off here and there, but 
weekly podcast, we get a panel of teachers. They're all from around the Kansas City metro area, both sides of state line, um, public school, charter school. We have a, a private school teacher on our roster. So each week it's three of them, um, and they come on and they talk about um, things happening in the news, current events, trends, um, maybe research, pop culture, but then all of it, how it relates to public education and how they see those things filtering down um, into their classrooms and, and with their students. So it's kind of like the intersection of education with current events and news. That sounds fascinating. And it's certainly a passion and labor of love. I know several teachers, uh, myself, and we certainly know podcasting. We've been doing it uh, for, I, I can't even remember now, but uh, this sounds like a nightmare to coordinate for you. What are you, are you getting everybody <laughs> in the same room or are you, what's going on here? We have like a, a roster of, I'd say, I think it's like 12 teachers. And so, um, for instance, we're kicking off a new semester we tape on Sundays. So, you know, the new semester has just begun. And so um, late last month, I sent out a um, you know, kind of a, a sheet where they could fill out what days they were available. And um, they you know, kind of filled out, you know, what Sundays over the course of the semester they were going to be available. And then we kind of plug their names in and try to mix and match and get, you know, good mixtures of, of gender and racial and experience balance so that we can, you know, get some good conversation going. But once the schedule's made, it's actually pretty easy. Um, and they, you know, I send out reminder emails. And um, I have a producer that, you know, from week to week, we, we kind of throw around topics that we want to talk about. And we, you know, each Friday we send resources to the teachers who are going to be on that week so that they can be a little bit prepared so that they're not just coming in cold. Um, but, uh, I mean, it is a lot of work. It, it, it is a lot of work um, coordinating those. Um, but I have a system down now, so it's gotten a lot easier. But what keeps it fresh is just, I mean, I, the topics are always, I think, really, the, the teachers just have really interesting takes, right? So, I mean, last semester we, right. you know, touched upon the national anthem controversy, right? Mm -hmm. um, some of them were seeing that in their schools where athletes wanted to kneel during the national anthem. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was affecting their schools. Um, we talked about, um, earlier in the year, we talked about transgender bathroom policies and, and how that was affecting students. Um, not only the students who were uh, self-identifying as transgender, and but also students who were not, you know, and were confused and, and were acting out about that. Um, and so, I mean, just like anything that comes up politically, I mean, can be tied to education. Anything that comes up in current events. Um, and so, I mean, gosh, we talked about Donald Trump probably like every week. Um, yeah. <laughs> just about what, you know, what his, you know, what, what his policies, uh, you know, as a, as a president, what his policies, and then also as a, as a, as a character in person, what, what his actions and, and tweets are, are, and those, those are affecting schools. Um, and so teachers are, are having to deal um, with all those things. And um, so it's been, it's been a really interesting experience over the last year doing that on a week-to-week -week basis. Well, Kyle, let's, uh, we understand, uh, as you mentioned, you get up super early, so we don't want to take up any more of your time. But before we let you go, obviously <laughs> we want to let you plug everything and anything that you got going out. So how can we find you on Twitter, the Facebook, you know, all the fun things there? All right. So the easiest you know way to follow me is um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Kyle. So that's um, the KCUR, Kansas City Public Radio Station. So at KCUR, Kyle. Um, and just listen to me at uh, KCUR 89.3 in the morning. I'm on every hour from 5 to 10, three times an hour doing the local news. 
um, and sign up for the early bird. You can do that by just going to kcur.org um, or just Google searching KCUR early bird. It's the first thing that comes up. And um, you can just easy put in your name and your email address, and the next morning you're going to start getting it in your inbox. Yeah. Um, so that, that's the easiest way to follow me. All right, then no wrong answers for those of us uh, looking into that. Uh, is that on iTunes, right. all, all the standard things? Uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, yes. as the phrase goes. <laughs> um, you can also, again, just search No Wrong Answers Podcast. It's right there. Or go on to um, Apple Podcasts um, through your apps on your smartphone and search for it, and it will be there. One last – I got two rapid-fire questions for you just to wrap up. Yeah, yeah. In your early bird, you, you mentioned about how the Royals offered a seven-year, $147 million offer to Eric Hosmer. Uh, do you think he signs with the Royals? No, I don't. You know, I, I think there was a lot of that – was a, that was a pretty shocking offer as when it was reported by USA Today. Um, then – there was some follow-up reporting and some insinuations made by uh, Sam Mellinger, for one, who's the columnist for the Kansas City Star, that um, that offer was actually never made. It was just kind of a, a negotiating tactic for Hosmer's camp. I I still don't think he comes back. And I think furthermore to the point, I just I, I don't think it would be a, a wise long-term strategic move to sign him for that amount of money. And then second question, how much do the Chiefs win uh, by on Saturday against the Titans? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am uh, a longtime Chiefs fan, so. Um, so you're smart. I, you're a smart guy. I, I will not. <laughs> I will not put any figure on how much the Chiefs win by because I know the second that I say they're going to win, <laughs> they will not win in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I curse them. I am just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm going to be holding on. Um, they're certainly favored. You know, Tennessee is is a, is a pretty run of the mill team. Um, they should they should win handily, but. Um, Gosh, I mean, the, the, the Chiefs' playoff history is so so star-crossed um, that I am not about to step on that landmine. Yeah, I already, <laughs> I already cursed them, said they were going to win the Super Bowl about week five, so and I said it on the show, so that was the death nail. But yeah, I mean, week five that was a that was a great time to be a Chiefs fan. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, I remember it so vividly. So everybody, check him out, Kyle Palmer, KCUR at KCUR Kyle. Uh, no wrong answers podcast. Uh, just do you ever sleep? Uh, yeah, plus I have a, a one-year-old, so. Oh, jeez. Um. Oh, <laughs> Good luck. All right, well, we'll yeah. let you get back to it. We appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, uh, well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the offer. That's fascinating. That guy does a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, a man of many hats, and he looks great in all of them. Uh, and look at that. I mean, he can give us his insight on whether Eric Hosmer will re-sign with the Royals. He knows about the airport. Like I said, he tried to downplay it and say that he wasn't a well-informed Kansasian. Oh, he's well-informed. The correct answers were yes and 24 points. Come on, Kyle. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll have him on uh, again, and we can have him uh, make some more bold hot takes, hot takes. Uh, as the year goes on. But we, again, appreciate uh, what he does for uh, Kansas City. Uh, honestly, that early bird is a great way to start off your day. I am subscribed to it. It comes out uh, 6 o'clock. I think let me uh, make sure I'm checking my inbox, and I'll give you the time. 6.16 a.m. is when I received it, and my email is a little slow, so it probably came out definitely earlier than that. Um, but, yeah, he gives you everything from the Trump's latest news to local news such as Kobach and the airport like we talked about. And he also gives you some fun stats and 
it's a very well-informed uh, email to start your day off and, and get you ready to get out the door. All right, with that, we are going to get out the door. We're going to take a break, and we will come back, and Tom is going to get you up to speed lightning quick on all the events happening around the metro area over the next week. That is when we return to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, Chris Farley was the original voice of Shrek, but passed away after recording about 85% of his lines. I play my tracks and you critique them on all that they lack. Encourage me to be myself, never put on the act. Like, no, them streets is whack. Big bro did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that. Told me always have respect for mama. Throughout your ongoing saga, soap opera drama. So set in your ways to only play with separate ways. But that's okay, cause you loved her and that's all that mattered anyway. Never forget the day your girl was blowing me up. Ten missed calls before my girl had woken me up. Tim and Tom. Events, Tom. It's a new year. It is 2018, the year of the new idea. And you've got some new ideas for people to do some fun stuff. Yes, I do. Now, as always, I give you this disclaimer. There is a million things to do in this great Kansas City metropolitan area. Feel free to do all of the reoccurring events at places such as Union Station, Crown Center, Power and Light, all of those wonderful places. Feel free to check those places out. But here's just some more ideas on what to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you a first January 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th in Overland Park. Yes, in Overland Park. It is the Overland Park Boat Show. Nice. The Lake of the Ozarks Marine Dealers Overland Park Boat Show. As I mentioned, January 4th through the 7th. It's going to be at the Overland Park Convention Center. This is going to have every type of boat you like. I mean, from the small ones and the speed ones to the big ones where you're just pontooning and hanging out and loving life. They got everything on display. It is going to be a great time. Again, that is going to be the Overland Park Convention Center. Have you ever been to a boat show before? I have. Um, I was young. I remember my parents taking me to some convention boat show and just sitting in all the boats and seeing all the. And this was you know, a long time ago. Go ahead and throw in any joke you got there. Um, and it, I imagine now with technology and just, oh, I couldn't imagine what cool stuff they could put on boats now. Yeah, so uh, they have cruisers, runabouts, performance boats, pontoons, ski boats, personal watercrafts, docks, lifts, and boating accessories all at one show. That is the tagline. Uh, again, this is the Lake of the Ozarks Marine Dealers Association Overland Park Boat Show. It goes from January 4th to the 7th at the Overland Park Convention Center. Next, and this is going to be the big one, so we figured might as well just throw it in. January 6th mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at 3.30 at Arrowhead Stadium, we have the wild card playoff game between the Tennessee Titans and your Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, and we'll talk more about the Chiefs and my favorite thing of the week. But th- obviously, uh, one of the major things we always talk about Arrowhead is uh, the home crowd, the loudness. So if you have the ability, if you have a chance to get out there and get in that crowd and create some of that home field advantage, get out there and do it. It's supposed to be nice enough weather compared to what we've had. So get out there and do it. Exactly. And get out there on January 6th and start your day off at the West Bottoms First Festival Weekend. Uh, This is going to go from 9 to 5. It's down in Kansas City, Missouri, obviously the West Bottoms. It's going to have antiques, 
uh, boutiques, um, local uh, food and local uh, clothing uh, on display available for you to purchase. It's one of the best first festivals uh, reoccurring that happens every month. And this is the first one of 2018. So, you know, might as well kick off the year right before the football game. Uh, again, it goes from nine to five, the West Bottoms first festival weekend, January 6th. Nice. Now let's fast forward. After the Chiefs win, we've got another weekend that we have to look forward to. And uh-huh. what are you going to do then? Well, I'll tell you. On January 13th, that is next Saturday, uh-huh. uh, you get to see Invicta 27 nice. at the Kansas City Scottish Rite Temple. Uh, I will be there. I will be working the backstage, making sure everything runs smoothly. So uh, if you're interested uh, in mixed martial arts, as I am, this is an all-female card. It is an all-female MMA promotion. Uh, it features the return of Sarah Kaufman, who is a former Strike Force. Uh, women's uh, champion. Uh, she's coming back off of a long layoff. Uh, she will be in the main event. Again, it's going to be at the Scottish Rite Temple. Uh, doors open at 6. First fight should be 7. Ends around 11.30. Great atmosphere for fights. Great atmosphere uh, for fight fans. And you will absolutely love this top-notch show because I am the one well, running it. And fun fact, Tom is the one running it. So in addition to all the great fights and the the great venue that the Scottish Rite Temple is, while there, since Tom's running it, you're going to see Tom running around out there. He's going to have a headset. He's going to be out poking his head out there. He's going to be coming around doing things uh, to make sure things are lined up. So you might be able to yell out, hi, Tom. And Tom might wave at you. He might be too busy to talk to you, but Tom might wave at you. That is a guarantee. I will at least wave at you if you yell, hey, Tom. It's a guarantee that I might wave at you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then also on January 13th, if you want to kick back and laugh a little bit, we have a very great stand-up comedian coming into town to the Kansas City Convention Center. Uh, at 8 p.m., it's Brian Regan. And Brian Regan. Brian Regan. Oh, yeah. Brian Regan is fun for the whole family, by the way, too. A completely clean comedian. Brian Regan, did you know this, works uh, four days every other week, uh, flies out from like a Thursday to a Monday, and then comes back and then go out again for another, you know, like two weeks and does that because he makes so much money off of what he does now. He is that and- good and, and, like I said, clean but still belly laughing the whole time. Definitely. So uh, check him out. If you're not familiar with his work, uh, go on YouTube, put in Brian Regan. Uh, Again, he is a clean artist, so you can bring the family. It might be centered around relationship things. So, you know, if it's a six or seven year old, they might not get it. Topics may be semi-adult themed, obviously, or even, you know what I mean? But it's it's still there's no curse words. There's no like, so I had this chick in the back of the, you know, it's not like that. Right. right. It's very uh, family oriented as far as the type of humor. The topics might be a little over their head, but if you have a teenager and want to reconnect and sit back and laugh, or if you guys are just BFFs and want to go to a show again, it's Brian Regan at the Kansas City Convention Center. Uh, also, and this is the last event that we got coming up. It is going to be January 13th and 14th, and this is a family staple. I don't know if a family who hasn't been to one of these, and if your family hasn't, here's your opportunity. But at the Sprint Center, we have Monster Jam. Oh, man. You know, I tell you what, if you don't get excited about Monster Jam, 
then I don't know what gets you Monster excited. Jam. It, is, it is an adrenaline charged, high flying, four wheel excitement that is fun for the entire family. Yeah. With each competitor using customized Monster Jam mm-hmm. speedsters, Come Monster down. Jam ATVs, and the famous Monster Jam trucks. Come down I mean, and see the Fender Crusher. Right, yeah, yeah, this is something right. I obviously remember going to as a kid, teenager, even as an adult. Uh, it's so much fun. It's going to be at the Sprint Center. Uh, for tickets, go to access.com, AXS.com. Uh, again, that is going to be Monster Jam, the Triple Threat Series. So let's recap real quick. We have January 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. You have the Overland Park Boat Show. Then you have the... The event that we we'll, that we are all talking about, the playoff game featuring the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Also on that same day, we have the West Bottoms First Festival weekend. Then uh, fast forwarding to the following weekend, we have Invicta 27 at the Scottish Rite Temple. We have Brian Regan and we have Monster Jam. Monster Jam. I love it. I love it all. Go check out the fun events. Tim's favorite. Them Kansas City Chiefs. It's been an up and down season, but Tom, they they're in the playoffs now. We know that, right? Got a home game, a chance to win their first home game in the playoffs since 1993, which I vividly remember sitting there watching. By the way, uh, gosh, ugh, how long ago that? Wait was. a minute, hold on. Say that again. It's the first home, first chance to win their first home playoff game. Since okay, because we've won a playoff game, but it was on the road. Right. I get what you're saying. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1993, Joe Montana. The season is all comes down to this now, and this is what's fun about the playoffs. And let me tell you what the Chiefs are entering with. Tom, are you ready for this? They are entering with, at their disposal, a 1,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver, a 1,000-yard receiving tight end, a 4,000-yard quarterback, and the back-to-back AFC West champions. And they're no joke. You know what I mean? We've seen six-seed teams go to win Super Bowl, so – uh, you have a puncher's chance when you enter the playoffs. Obviously, the large mountains that that lay ahead. But you know, who knows, man? What do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to win. I think the Tennessee Titans do not have the firepower to keep up with us. I think our defense is a bend not break type of um, stop you in the red zone type of defense. So I think even though that's not the best to see, you know, in the middle of the field, I think it's still good as far as we're giving up field goals, not touchdowns. And I think like what you said, with all the offensive power, with the running back, tight end, wide receiver, and this quarterback who, even though we're trying to push him out the door, I think is an amazing, high-quality quarterback. I think with those weapons, uh, we should win, I'm going to say 27 to 10. Yeah, I um I, I was thinking the same thing. I think, but I think like a thirty-one twenty, maybe even even going past that. And let's say you know, let's say they even then go on losing New England just because you lose a shootout out there and it's cold and it's whatever. Um, you you brought that up the the quarterback controversy that has been and kind of keeps resurfacing. Uh, I was hearing a fun statistic. Uh, no matter what, no matter how they do. Uh, moving forward, even if they lose this game, if they were to keep both quarterbacks next year, they would have both Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes at a cheaper price than 12 teams pay their starting quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. And 
one of those is Matthew Stafford, who's never made the playoffs. I mean, like, what what are we talking about here? So, I mean, yeah, will Alex Smith be butthurt if he's got to be the backup to Mahomes? Yeah, but hey, man, you know what I mean? Like, $17 million for what he can give you is a steal. So I don't even know why it's even a consideration. And yes, unless you're for sure you're going to get something really valuable out of the draft or trade from them. Uh, it should be interesting going back to this game, how everything plays out. I do think, uh, as Kyle mentioned, we are the favorites and we should win this game. Typically, Kansas City football history would tell you we would lose that game because we are the favorites. But I still think that uh, with the time that we've had, how uh, Andy Reid prepares for games, especially playoff games. And like I said, the firepower from the tight end, uh, wide receiver, running back, and a quarterback, I think that will be what overtakes kind of a limited offensive and defensive team in the Tennessee Titans. I think this is the best matchup for us in the first game of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, do you think uh, – I mean, we've seen them win – in New England, now they had Eric Berry helping for a large portion of that game, um, and it was the first game of the year. Do you think they can go beyond that? Do you think they can steal one there and make it to the AFC Championship game? No. For, for our listeners, no, yes. All right. <laughs> go, Kansas City. Man, if I'm betting money, absolutely not. Yeah, if we get real, this comes down to Pittsburgh versus New England, and who wins that oh, shootout of a I- I wouldn't even be surprised if, for whatever reason, Pittsburgh were to fumble and fall, uh, and it's New England and somebody else. But New England's getting at least that AFC Championship game, and if they get there, they're you know I mean if it's not Pittsburgh, they're likely getting to the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know. Yep. Yeah. So, but hey, you know what? It's 2018, the year of the new idea, and it could yeah. be a new idea for the Kansas City Chiefs, and they get past the Tennessee Titans, get past the next game, and then move on to the Super Bowl. Hey, uh, you heard it here first. Chiefs are winning the Super Positive Bowl. Positive <laughs> That was an old that was an old yeah. phrase I used to use about pro wrestling. I'll use it with the Chiefs now. Positive impatient. 2018, the year of the new idea. Hopefully the Chiefs have a new idea and win some games and get us to the promised land. Tom's favorite. I am a mixed martial arts fan. That is my favorite sport. I love football. I love basketball. I love baseball. I love it all when it means something as well. But to me, a fight in a cage or octagon as this would be in the UFC is my favorite sporting activity to watch. And in that sporting activity, typically the baddest man on the planet is known as the heavyweight champion. And right uh-huh. now you have a guy named Stipe Miocic out of Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, full-time firefighter and UFC heavyweight champion, knocking fools out left and right. He is just on a tear. If he wins this next fight that's coming up January 20th, he will have the most title defenses by a UFC heavyweight champion of all time. That's that's something. That's more than Randy Couture, Brock Lesnar, Frank Mir, uh, Kane Velasquez, all of these guys. He would have the most title defenses of all time if he defeats Francis Ngannou. So, this, so that's to uh, yeah. Would that be the benchmark to call him the greatest champion of all time? Then? 
as far as, well, not the greatest champion because you have guys like Anderson Silva in the middleweight division who held on to the title for seven years. You have Demetrius Johnson who has 12 title defenses. So the greatest I mean, of his people. weight class and his, of his weight yeah, class. Right. Yeah, he could be the, with a win, Stipe Miocic could arguably be called the greatest heavyweight UFC fighter of all time, which is incredible. Or just but, at least like as far as a champion because – you, you, your argument is he successfully defended it more times than anybody else, right? I mean, in the heavyweight division. In the heavyweight division, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, of course, uh, he definitely has an argument. Um, but let me tell you about his opponent. Okay. Francis Ngannou. Okay. Comes from Cameroon, moved to Paris, France. And this guy is the number one contender, and he is knocking out fools. Now, when you say knocking out fools, you see a knockout, and you go, that is highly impressive. I want to see more. But, as I mentioned, my favorite thing of the week came from a news conference to hype up this fight that happens on January 20th. And Dana White gave us a soundbite about some recent science and stats behind Francis Ngannou's punching power. Francis Ngannou has the world record for the most powerful punch. His punch is the equivalent to 96 horsepower, which is equal to getting hit by a Ford Escort going as fast as it can. Um, and it's more powerful than a 12-pound sledgehammer swung full force from overhead. I, I love how, if you watch the video, Stipe Miocic is listening to him say those things, and you see him going like, ugh, that's, ugh, that's impressive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, he's sitting there going, oh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> right. Uh, so you have, uh, to steal a phrase from the late Gorilla Monsoon, you have the irresistible force meeting the immovable object in Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. It goes down January 20th, UFC 220. It's going to be live on pay-per-view. But my favorite thing of the week is we have science and stats that show that Francis Ngannou is the hardest puncher yeah. ever. You could probably punch your face off. So, yeah, what would, he's now in the would-you-rather game. Would you rather take a punch from Francis Ngannou or get ran over by a Ford Escort? Right. Well, guess what? It's the same thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter that is incredible ladies and gentlemen this is insane and you have a heavyweight championship fight to determine the baddest man on the face of this earth this is incredible this dude wow. is coming for your title stipe with a punch the force of a ford escort at full speed man have fun a 12-pound sledgehammer being you, swung as fast as possible from overhead. You better be studying some Mayweather defense, man. You better be trying to figure out how to run away. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. This is going to be a great, a great, great fight. Again, that is going to be January 20th, UFC 220. But as I mentioned, the punching power of Francis oh. Ngannou. Tim and Tom. First show of 2018, the year of the new idea. I think we've got some fresh new ideas. We had a great interview with Kyle Palmer. We've got the roastery coming up next week. We're going to go to, to their factory. That's going to be fun. I'm excited for that. Uh, but we'll, we'll just leave it at that. We'll be back next week for more Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the Netflix show Black Mirror derives its name from the reflection you see in a switched-off screen or monitor. Photographs.
blow up, didn't know what to do, no glue, I just knew I had to find a ways in, find a way to get my niggas out what they was raised in, for better breakfast, you stay overnight and put them days in, the hustle, that's a book that I wrote more than just a page, and this game is for the take, and I need that. All work, no play, one day. Promise it's gon' pay off. So set in my way. Swear I may never take a day off. Uh-uh. No way they taking shots, man. They off, way off. Treat every game like it's the playoffs, right? All work, no play. Man, I may never take a day off.